Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Welcome back for another episode of the 5G Guys. I'm Wayne Smith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dan McVaugh. Hey everyone! Welcome back. Thanks as always for listening. Great to uh, great to uh, be starting the new year off with a new season today. Uh, Wayne and I thought we would talk about an interesting concept that we've run across a lot in our careers, which is that people don't recognize that wireless technology needs wires. That uh, we'll always have wires, and and how wires work with wireless is uh, an interesting kind of um, situation to think about. So today we're going to we're going to talk about that and as you guys that might be regular listeners know and if you're new um I'm I'm kind of notorious for my uh, stupid analogies but they seem to work and and the best way that I can think to to describe how wireless needs wires is to think about the human nervous system our bodies right if you think of a wireless analogy as it relates to our bodies think about sound that we hear our mouth creating noise that other people hear. So we're transmitting and receiving information, light waves coming into our eyes. If you think of that as like wireless, then behind all of that, we have wires that make that work, right? Our nervous system, our nerves carrying that information back to some processing unit, our brain, to process it, do something with it, react to it, send information back out. We hear something, process it, goes back out, we talk. And so in the same way, wireless networks need wires. So we might have a cell site that your phone's talking to the cell site wirelessly, well, ultimately that cell site is going to get back to a network through some sort of a wired technology. Same goes for your cable modem in Wi-Fi. You're using Wi-Fi, but ultimately it's going to get back to a wire, a piece of cable coming to your house, a phone line coming to your house. So so from that standpoint, uh, we thought we'd talk a little bit about how that relates to the wireless technology world and and how wires are such an important part of of wireless and, and how they they work together. So what do you think, Wayne? Oh, I love it. I think it's a great analogy too. It's super interesting that as you look back in the wireless industry, you know, which we which we both are part of, we are connected 100% through physical connections in the world. And I think one thing that always sticks out for me in the physical connections, it's really about capacity, you know, and how it's um, how much you can move, even through light, through fiber, or even on you know copper in the old style. It's only you know it's always a certain capacity before you need more. Mm-hmm. And so, I love the topic. I think it's a great one to you know educate our our listeners. This is how the world's connected, and from that point, let's go, man. Let's just where do you want to start? Well, I guess um, like we do on a lot of these um, overview talks, uh, maybe we'll start back in the past, how wires were enabling wireless and kind of how that's changed over time and, and what the future might look like as it relates to that. So, you know, like everything in wireless telecom, it all started with the plain old telephone service, right? When we talked mm-hmm. to Marty Cooper back about the invention of the first portable phone and right, it was all tied back to AT&T, the phone company, right? And the whole same holds true for cellular. Back in the day, if we built a cell site, that cell site had to have connectivity back to a network, to a switching center over copper wires, the same copper wires that were providing phone service to our house, right? 
And it was just how that data was transmitting over those copper wires. Those were called T1s back in the day. You know, so back in the early 1G, 2G days, we had T1s into all our cell sites. And for every phone call that was placed on the cellular network, you had to have a circuit over that copper wire to support it. And if I had 32 voice channels at my cell site to provide 32 simultaneous phone calls, I had to have 32 circuits over those T1s to support those calls. And if I needed the 33rd call and I didn't have a 33rd circuit on those T1s, the call would block. Remember those days when you'd, you'd push send and, and you'd get an alert that the call couldn't go through? Oh, man. Yeah. And we've had a lot of questions around about that also, uh-huh. you know, about call quality and that that piece of it. Yep. For sure. Yeah. So uh, we don't have that today anymore. You make a call and if there's a limit on capacity, it'll just degrade the quality. So we don't get fast busies anymore. Right. Or your call can't go through because there's no longer any capacity. But but anyways, that's how it started. And And then as we've progressed into 3G and beyond, the wires that facilitate connecting back in the network have changed from actual copper wires to fiber, right? And it was all because the amount, the size of the pipe that we have to push all this data through got bigger and bigger beyond the physical capabilities of a bunch of copper wires. Light is way better in terms of throwing bandwidth. Yeah, so that's a good point. You know, the transition from the copper plant, as they call it in the business, to now a fiber-driven plant. Um, what we've seen over the years, I think, for if my memory you know, is correct, we really started getting to the fiber outside in the data center point to the to the macro network or out in the field around the 2014 timeframe. We started doing putting fiber to the cell site in order to increase the capacities. I think the reason that had to happen was for most of the traffic, you know, we were getting where the copper plant was just running out of capacity. You know, we'd have 16 to 18 T1s going into each cell site or even more. And by bringing fiber into the cell site, it's a more steady connection, less DB loss over, over the space. And we were able to, do the speed bump in order to bring actually 4G technology in LTE was required to have fiber at lower losses in order to pass better signal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, based on the prior podcast is we've talked about LTE was the first real digital part of the cellular migration from 3G to 4G in the network. And it was about the quality of service for the end user or the consumer. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And so as we've seen the network, we've probably done at Vertex, you know, we probably built, yeah, we probably, I think a better word is we put fiber in to maybe five to 10,000 um, uh, cell sites in that, in that amount of time to upgrade the network. I think a cool thing to talk about too is, in that transition, a lot of this fiber back in the day, in the early days, were something that we we termed lit fiber. And what was that? That is a fiber connection that a provider would give you a point A to point B that they handed off to you. Mm-hmm. And then as, as fiber has transitioned into where we're at today for 5G, 
everything's pretty much dark fiber, you know, so that way the person who owns the network can put whatever they want and transmit and do whatever technologies on the fiber to do it. So it's been a big transition. Really, has it been slow? I don't know. I think at the turn turn of uh, in the 2000s, you know, a company back in the day, it was Quest. They built the, one of the first fiber optic networks across the country. And at that point in time, they're like, we'll never use this much fiber. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to today, everyone's deploying fiber. Mm-hmm. There's just not enough fiber to supply the network, you know, the network needs and capacities for, for wireless and for whatever others we need out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you bring up a good point, which is as, as we've progressed in technology, the need for higher capacity wires to support higher capacity wireless is really what it's been about and higher capacity end users ultimately is what it's all about. The, the more bits that we as users need to move through the transportation age, it's put more stress on the network and and fiber really has become the key um, physical asset to to being able to support those huge bandwidth needs. And, and, and as, as you said, over time, we only needed fiber in the central office where we were processing or in the data center, where we were processing lots of data. And then as time has progressed, the need for that higher bandwidth fi- wire connection moved out of the central office and moved further out into the field, moved closer to the user. And as we've talked about in some of our 5G specific episodes about things like edge processing, right? And Mm -hmm. and AI out at the edge and out at the node, that that requires that much more bandwidth all the way out to the node. Right. And so, yeah, the fight, you know, look at your neighborhood, you're starting to see fiber to your neighborhood by, your broadband internet provider. You're starting to see fiber to your house by your broadband internet provider. And it's because we're just have such a huge demand for pushing data around that. um, Yeah. I would say in the typical city right now, you're seeing people dig up streets and trenching right aways everywhere. And that's what they're doing is they're deploying fiber. They're deploying the wires that, that feed our, that, that feed our demand for data. The data demand these days is just crazy compared to what it was. I think one, one thing, a good way to get maybe some listeners a little bit of background on how fiber works, to your point, in the body. Back in the day when we were deploying fiber, we, we took the easiest route. Think about it. We took railroads. Mm-hmm. We built we built fiber networks along all the railroad tracks because railroad tracks transport goods back and forth across the whole U.S. We also, there were companies who deployed on the natural gas lines. And wherever there was natural gas, we put in fiber. Mm-hmm. And then the other side was those highway systems. Highway systems are right-of-ways that connect the country, and all of those were used to to put fiber. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of roads in you know, the U.S. Not all of them have those links. So we're continuing down the path of putting more and more fiber in to get the wireless world wired so that we can have the connection. Mm-hmm. I think we are we are seeing, uh, Dan, though it's pretty interesting, the speeds that that fiber connection brings. We are starting to see speeds in wireless. And this is, you know, what, what wireless is doing with 5G, whether it's fixed 5G or cellular 5G. You know, we're getting some pretty impressive speeds of what you could do with fiber. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I think the the uh the thing that kind of this brings all back is 
If we lose that fiber though, if we lose that wire, guess what we lose? We lose the wireless. Yeah. Right. So you can have a Wi-Fi access point sitting on your desk. You can have a cell site in your backyard. If that fiber gets cut, you're dead. Like you lose your connectivity. Yeah. So that actually happened. So here, you know, in my place we have, or we use, we're Comcast or Xfinity and someone cut the fiber to our neighborhood. And then my wife comes home and, you know, and the kids, they're ready to do their devices. And they're like, hey, we have good Internet, but we don't have the Internet to the world. And so I found myself explaining, I'm like, our home network is a wireless network with access points. It's still working fine. But without the connection to the world via Xfinity's fiber network, it's only local, you know, mm-hmm. and you can't reach anything. And it was a hard thing to explain. They thought that, you know, because we had Wi-Fi, that we actually had Internet. And uh, it's just, just a true fact of it. It was cut. We I think our outage lasted 12 hours. So everybody we've got, we jumped on. I'm like, just flip it over, get rid of the Wi-Fi and work on your cellular until you, you know, we get it back up. Yeah, but that's a really true case. People think they misconstrue that Wi-Fi means connection to the world or internet, right? Yeah, but one one chop of the fiber, you're done. Yep, no connection. Yeah. And by the way, I think that outage actually took out numerous cell sites as well because they were using that same Xfinity fiber plant, and so wow. some people didn't have cellular either in that outage, so they were dead dead. Yes. Yeah, and it's challenging. You know, what we, we found, um, we had some backup here at the house. It's always interesting. I was using some backup devices, but I still could only connect at 12 megabits. Mm-hmm. And from living the dream of 900 <laughs> megabit connection at the house, moving down to 10, we found that some of the simple things that we like to do, stream TV, you know, and do that weren't available. Mm-hmm. And we started talking that old technology. Hey, go grab a CD yeah. or DVD and watch <laughs> it. You know, but it's interesting that everything that wireless gives us a false sense of connection without the things in the ground. Yeah, the physical connectivity of what fiber brings. Yeah, we you know we're really we're we're stuck in the mud. Yeah, and here's another form of wired connectivity that we don't think about or forget about. How about power? Oh, yeah. Right? You you got to have power lines most often. I mean, granted, you could have a generator, right? So you could have a cell site that doesn't have power lines to it that runs on a generator, but guess then you're going to have to go refuel the generator, and right? So, mm-hmm. you know, without power, you know, again, the same analogy, like our body needs blood, right? The blood is the, the lines that give us energy for our body. Same thing. These networks all need power as well. So, I I can tell you, and I'm not going to name who it was or where it was, but there was a carrier that built a cell site one time in this community. It was a more rural community. And that cell site sat for two years without working because they couldn't get fiber and they couldn't get power. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, are there cell sites that are able to work without a wire, without wires? Yeah. You know, we built cell sites in Hawaii, for example, that ran 100% on solar and 100% on microwave radio. So they had a wireless mm-hmm. link back somewhere and they had solar power and generators that had big propane tanks to, to, to run. But guess what? Ultimately that microwave link got back to somewhere that had a wire to connect it to the rest of the world. Right. 
So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely sobering to remember and think about, um, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're going to need wires to, to ultimately fulfill what we want to do wirelessly so much so that there's probably more construction effort going on in the wire, the, the wired space right now in terms of fiber deployments than there is wireless. So we talk about the huge 5g wireless deployments going on, mm-hmm. the fiber deployments are, t- you know, 10 times probably going on in terms of, because there's also wired deployments going on for non-wireless communications, right? Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, most of the volume of work, the broadband, you know, the Infrastructure Act, $200 billion. And that really is essentially fiber to rural communities, right? Mm -hmm. And so tons of capital being deployed to put fiber in. It's pretty interesting where municipalities want to do their own networks now and have a fiber network so that they can bring economic and prosperity to each community, no matter how rural or where it is. And so it's super interesting how dependent we still are on a fully, you know, physical connection, even for the latest technologies that come out. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have to be able to get bandwidth there. Fiber is the best medium today to get high bandwidth, high capacity and very, you know, we're, we're talking like um, and when you think of fiber, you know, we're only talking a few connections compared to what it took to do a copper plant, for for instance. Mm-hmm. And so a lot more efficient. There's ways that now in prop, we should talk about this and give things credit. You know, I'm not sure what took down the network. Most fiber um, systems are built in rings. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we build fiber in rings is to have a redundant path either way. Mm -hmm. So if you do have a cut, normally they can reroute traffic or it reroutes automatically to go back a certain way. And so, you know, that has been the mythology in the company and in in the country, and it's worked really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most you don't have major outages like you used to. There are redundant feeds. It definitely um, in our work that we've done in the data center world, definitely redundant feeds uh, strategically placed so that if you did lose one side of it, you wouldn't lose the other side. And, you know, so there's a lot of good design practice in the world today to make sure that the fiber networks are redundant. The way they're built in the ground, Mm -hmm. they're encased in concrete, you know, they're done a lot of different ways in order to protect the fiber um, pass into the critical infrastructure. So, yeah, amazing. But I do think that as 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 those wires get closer to the end user, that redundancy is where it it doesn't. Right. We don't have redundancy to our house. Right. No, we don't. We don't have redundancy in ninety nine percent of the cases to a cell site. Right. We have one connection. So. But yeah, so I think I think hopefully it's helpful for our listeners to understand, you know, the interdependency and, and this the symbiotic nature of wires and 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 wireless and and how wireless depends on on wires, but and vice versa, you know, wires depend on wireless, right? We extend the reach of a wired network with wireless, and without wireless, you know, we would reach a lot fewer people in the world um, in terms of having connectivity. So hopefully, it's uh, been helpful for everyone to to understand the relationship. No, I, I, I agree. I think um, it also highlights, it's a good podcast to talk about because, you know, we talk about 5G, but the ecosystem that puts communications in people's hands is very large. It's, it's in the ground, it's in the air, it's in the, in this, in this, you know, the, this in space, it's everywhere. And it's really exciting to get into the different facets of it and bring light to it. 
So yeah, I agreed. It's going to be quite the year for fiber deployments, you know? Yeah. Well, well thanks for listening as always, guys. Um, we'll touch more on this topic in a, in a lot deeper uh, in future episodes, but uh, as always, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for, uh, for, for tapping in. And, and as always go to 5gguys.com to connect with us, give us your additional listening ideas. We've had a lot of great, ideas from folks that we're, we're, we're putting uh, episodes into this next season for. So um, until next time, thanks. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the 5G guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5gguys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. 